This morning, as we get into the Word together, we're going to take the next two weeks and we're going to spend some time getting ready for Easter, preparing for Easter, as Easter's only five weeks away at this point. Well, actually, I mean, today's the fifth Sunday. We've got three weeks, and you've got Palm Sunday, and then Easter Sunday. And so it is coming up, and this morning and next week, we're going to take some time and look at the life of Christ and how it, it helps shape the way as we get ready to come into Easter and look at the life of Christ. But today we're going to be beginning a series called The Way Series, looking at how Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so today we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles this morning, feel free to open up your Bibles as we will get into our passage here in just a moment. But I want to start you off with this question. Have you ever been lost before? Have you ever been lost what did you do? How did you find your way back from wherever you were lost? I'm going to start you off with a story that you might enjoy. I remember one time when I was younger, I don't know, 13, 14 years old, and I got lost heading out on my way to the deer stand one morning. It was pitch black, it was early in the morning, I was trying to find my way to a deer stand, and all of a sudden I'm looking around and I'm just, I can't seem to get my bearings, I can't seem to figure out where I'm going. Because if you ask Pastor Laura, she would laugh when we've gone out in the woods. She goes, how do you know where you're going? Well, because I know what that tree looks like, and there's an oil can on the ground over here. There's just all these things that I know that are kind of my, my little bearings that guide me and direct me to where I'm going. Well, this one day in the pitch black, I couldn't figure out where to go, where to walk. I've been to this stand probably a hundred times in my life. But how many of you know in the pitch black, things look a little different, don't they? Some of the things that you see during the day, all of a sudden you don't see anymore when it's pitch black outside. And I had to ask myself, what am I going to do now? My dad taught us when we were young. He said, if you guys ever get lost in the woods, I don't want you to continue trying to walk around. I want you to just sit down. If it's dark, just sit down on the ground and wait for it to get light out. When it gets light, you'll be able to find your way. You'll be able to figure out where you're going. And so that's what I did. I just sat down. I just waited, going, well, I guess I'm not getting a deer this morning, right? Thinking, well, I wasted, wasted this morning's hunt. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just waiting for it to get light, and it begins to get light, and I begin to go, oh, I recognize the tree. Oh, there's the fuel oil can that's literally been probably in that spot for no joke, my dad said 40 years, right? There's different things, unique identifiers. And so finally it gets lightened up, and I find my way to the stand, it was only like 45 yards away from where I sat down, but I just couldn't find it in pitch dark. My dad said, stay, sit where you are if you're lost. Listening to what my dad taught me saved me a lot of potential hardship that morning. Because if any of you have ever been wandering in a vast forest, not knowing where you're going, you can find yourself getting in trouble real quick if you just start wandering, trying to find your way without seeing where you're going. Hmm. Sounds kind of eerily similar to our lives when it comes to spiritually. Sometimes when we're walking into the dark, it's hard for us to see where we're going. But as we walk into the light, we begin to see the steps that God has for us to take. Chances are, I'm not the only one in here this morning that's ever been lost. Chances are good also that like you, you may have needed some help in some form or fashion to get you out of the situation you found yourself in. 
Maybe someone gave you directions to help you get to where it was you're trying to go. And I'm sure you were elated when they were able to give you perfect step-by-step -step directions to get you to exactly where you wanted to go. Right? How many of you have ever stopped at a gas station to get directions or you stopped on the side of the road and the person goes, Oh yeah, drive three miles down the road, take a right at the red barn, head another half mile down, and at the place you'll see it's going to be on your right-hand side. Oh, and if you've hit the field of dandelions, you've gone too far. It's the level of accuracy that the person gives that lets you know they know what you're talking about. They know where you're trying to find. They know it well. They understand the twists and the turns. They also know how to tell you if you've missed where it was you're trying to go and what to see if you do. These types of people are guides and they light the way for us when we get lost at different times. In our passage today, Jesus identifies all kinds of people who are lights to other people in the world. And it makes perfect sense that Jesus would be able to rightly identify this particular type of person or this group of people. Because Jesus is the ultimate expert who guides those who are lost. The problem is that the kinds of people who Jesus thinks are experts don't have any training or any credentials to lead others. Or at least not that is known of. He says this in Matthew chapter 5. The people he's talking about that are lights, that are guides, are these people. Poor in spirit, meek, merciful, hungry, and thirsty. He goes on to call them the salt of the earth and the light of the world. He must know something that we don't. And as we'll see today, Jesus is trying to teach us how to be light in that way for others as well. So as I said, we're going to read in Matthew chapter 5 this morning. And we're going to start at verse 1. As Jesus begins the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to read through the Beatitudes because it sets the context for the next portion of Scripture where Jesus talks about being salt and light. And so beginning in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, we read this. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are, those, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So that sets the context for what we are about to read now starting in verse 13. Jesus says this. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. As we look at this last 
portion of scripture in verses 13, 14, 15, and 16. I underline two words in there that are you. It's important to keep in mind that the, the you in these verses is a second person plural noun in the original language of Greek. And it can be translated, for lack of a better term, to say, y'all are the salt of the earth. Y'all are the light of the world. Meaning everybody, all of us. It's not just you. It's saying all believers are the salt and the light of the world. Y'all, the people that Jesus is referring to, is all the folks he listed above in verses 2 through 12 when he lists the Beatitudes. Those who are poor in spirit, those who are meek, who are merciful, who are hungry, who are thirsty, who are persecuted, and all the others that he listed in the Beatitudes above that. The list of people would have stood in the stark contrast to the kinds of people traditionally seen in the culture as the religious people at that time are those that would be thought of as the salt and light traditionally in their culture. Those who had the ability and training to lead others in matters of morality and spirituality. So what exactly is the significance of salt? What is the significance of light? And what exactly does Jesus want us to do today when it comes to this idea of being salt and light on earth? So the first thing, the salt of the earth. What does that mean? I want us to begin with that phrase, salt of the earth. It's an idiomatic expression used to describe someone who's honest, hardworking, and someone who's down to earth. Someone who's relatable, humble. It also refers to the idea that salt is a basic and essential ingredient and that people who are the salt of the earth are similarly fundamental and valuable members of society. Again, this is a shocking revelation to the audience that Jesus is speaking to in that time. They would never have assumed those that Jesus is speaking to would be the ones that are valuable in society. The salt of the earth also implies that this person is someone who's dependable, reliable, trustworthy, and that they bring a sense of stability and integrity to all the people around them that they are with. In short, this passage can be understood this way. Jesus saying that his followers have a special role to play in the world and that they must be careful to maintain their integrity and their effectiveness. The poor in spirit the meek, the merciful, the hungry, the thirsty, the persecuted, and others are fundamental and valuable members of society. To call someone the salt of the earth is to express a deep respect and admiration for their character and values, and to acknowledge their importance in the community. So please take this as a compliment. Y'all are a bunch of salt. That's a good thing. Salt is necessary. Salt is a requirement. Going even further, it's important to remember that salt has been an important commodity throughout all of history. It's likely that it was used for a variety of purposes in the life of Christ. Some possible uses of salt in the ancient times could be this. There's a list of five things. Number one, and most commonly, it was preservation of food. Salt was used to preserve meat and fish as it helped to remove moisture and inhibit the growth of bacteria. Right? So that way when their fridge went out, they didn't 
right? They didn't have fridges. They used salt. That was the way they preserved their food and especially their meat. Number two, salt was, is used for seasoning. Salt was used to add flavor to food, and it was likely an important ingredient in many of the ancient dishes that they made. Number three, there was a medicinal use to salt. It was believed to have healing properties, and it was used to treat a variety of ailments, such as sore throats or skin conditions. Number four, there was a religious and cultural significance to salt. Salt was considered a symbol of purity and often used in religious rituals, such as the Jewish ceremony of the covenant of salt. And number five, salt was very important when it came to the idea of trading. There was a lot of value to salt. It was a valuable commodity, and it was traded over long distances. As far as I can tell, with all of this in mind, it wouldn't have been an unbelievable compliment from Jesus to be called, or sorry, it would have been an unbelievable compliment from Jesus to be called the salt of the earth. What a feeling to be seen as valuable, as useful, as an integral part of community that's often been pushed to the, to us, the side because they say, oh, you're poor in spirit, you're meek, you're merciful, you're hungry, you're thirsty, you're persecuted, you're reviled. What do you have to offer? And Jesus says, you have everything to offer. You are valuable. You are necessary. You are important. Instead of pushing these people to the side, Jesus essentially says, you are necessary and you are needed. And in the next verse, he tells them exactly what to do when he calls them the light of the world. So we looked at what it means to be salt in the world. What does it mean to be the light of the world? Verse 14, again, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. This statement can be understood in a couple of different ways. But one possible interpretation is that Jesus is saying that his disciples, and by extension, all believers throughout time, including us today, have a responsibility to spread the message of God's love and salvation to all people we come across. By living a life that reflects the teachings of Jesus, that reflects the teaching of the Word, that reflects the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We are to be shining examples of righteousness and the goodness of God to those who are lost and to help guide people towards a deeper understanding of who God is and the love that God has for them. The metaphor of light also brings a sense of direction and purpose. As light illuminates the way, it helps one to find their way in the darkness, as I shared in the story this morning. Especially when you're lost, Jesus is asking his disciples to be guides for others, to help people find their way towards Christ and to walk into a relationship with him. What are we being called to do today? We are being called to help point other people towards Christ and see them walk into relationship with him, to receive the hope that comes through salvation in Christ and Christ alone. In a culture where only the religious elite at this time as they would refer to them, were given responsibility, it's hard to understate how shocking this would have been. Jesus said, it's not those that are the religious elite that are going to make a giant impact. No, rather, it's all those that we've been talking about this morning in the Beatitudes that are going to be the ones who are going to make a massive impact on those around them. Instead of being told to stay out of sight and out of mind, 
Jesus takes those that have been cast aside and he said, you're no longer on the side. Actually, what I want you to do is I want you to be propped up on the hill and I want you to be the light that shines to all those around you because a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And I imagine that there were folks that day that were filled with encouragement that they realized, wow, there is purpose that I have in my life. Because even though culture and everybody else has told me I have nothing to add, nothing to contribute to society, Jesus said, that is the exact opposite. As you allow me to minister and move in your life, you have every ability to continue to see the world change for Christ. Jesus is asking his disciples to be visible in an evident presence in the world. Not to hide their faith or to keep it to themselves, but to let their light shine and let it be known. The Apostle Paul picks up on this idea in Philippians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, where he says, You will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. We're to be beacons of hope, lights of hope, as we allow God to shine in and through our lives to all those around us. Jesus taught that to the disciples. He's teaching it to us today in the same way. We are to be light to all those around us. Cling to Jesus. Shine the light of the gospel. For you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the earth. So again, what does that mean for us right now in 2023? How does this apply? What does it look like? How do we light the way for others to find Christ? Jesus called his disciples then, and Jesus is calling us now to make an impact in our world and those around us. To take the power of the gospel and to make an influence in our world. To share the message of salvation, the hope of Christ with all others that we come across in both our words and our actions. So the questions for you to ponder today is, where can you shine this week? Where can you let your light shine this week? Where can you encourage others with the gospel message this week? Where can you love others as Jesus has loved you? As we experience the love of Christ, how do we share that love with others? These are questions I believe we need to keep on the top of our minds as we follow Jesus through life. How can we continue to shine our light? How can we continue to encourage others in their faith? How can we continue to show the love of Christ to all those around us? When you're feeling discouraged or frustrated, as we all do at different points and times in our life, remember that Jesus is the fulfillment of Scripture. He is the promise who came to life, was raised from the dead, and is now interceding at the right hand of the Father on your behalf. Trust Him even when things are tough. I want us to read the next little portion of Scripture, Matthew chapter 5, as we get ready to come to a close this morning. So picking it up at verse 17, Jesus again in the Sermon on the Mount is teaching, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, nor the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others 
accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter. The kingdom of heaven. <laughs> I challenge you to catch a little bit of what Jesus said there. It says, Do you not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets? I have not come to abolish them to fulfill them. Then he says this, For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Why did Christ come? He came to fulfill the law. He's saying that he is going to finish the job that he came to do and that he will not leave until that job is completed. He leaves nothing undone. There is nothing unfinished. He's building a church of redeemed saints to help in this mission to reach the world, to reach the lost. You don't have to have a PhD. You don't have to be a rabbi or a pastor or a religious leader. You don't have to have Greek and Hebrew training. Jesus, no, rather is calling the poor in spirit, the meek, the merciful, the hungry, the thirsty, the persecuted, and others. He's calling each and every one of us the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Remember today, you are valuable. You are necessary. You are essential in the story of Christ. Your story matters. Your testimony matters. Your witness matters. I want to encourage you this morning as we get ready to leave to shine bright, my friends. Shine bright. Let the gospel reflect throughout your life as the lost find their way and sinners are saved as we enter into this Easter season. I want to challenge you over this next, not even month until Easter, to say, God, I'm trusting and believing for opportunities to be a light and a beacon of hope where you have placed me. At my workplace, in my home, in my school, in the community, wherever it is that you have placed me, Father, I'm believing that over the next 20-some days, there's going to be opportunities where you are going to allow me to be the light that stands on the hill that cannot be hidden. You're going to allow me to be the salt of the earth. You're going to work through my humility. You're going to work through my brokenness. You're going to work through, through my hurt and my challenge to help others find you. Let us be light this Easter season. Let us point people towards the cross of Christ. Because when we point them to the cross, they hear about the tomb that's empty. The resurrection that came, that defeated death and sin forever. That's the hope we have. That Christ said, I have come and I will not be done until the task is completed. He keeps his word. As we sang earlier, he will not fail us. He will not. Father, I pray today that as we get ready 
to walk out the doors of this building, Lord, or wherever they may be watching online. God, that you would bring about opportunities, Lord, this week, Lord, that we can be that beacon of hope, that light, Lord, that stands on the hill that cannot be hidden. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be the salt of the earth, God, that we can be people, God, that are dependable, people that know that we have a role in sharing the gospel message with those around us. God, help us to be the hands and feet of Jesus to chisel the iron range and around the world. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you, Father, for what you're going to do as we come into this Easter season. And Father, we pray that over these next 20-some days, Lord, you would bring about numerous opportunities, God, for us to share the hope of the gospel with those around us. God, that we can help see those that are walking in darkness come to the light. God, that they will have an opportunity to come into relationship with you and see their life forever change and transform as a result of what you did in sending your son to this earth. So, Father, we thank you. God, I pray you'd encourage each of us now. Help us, Lord, again to continue to know that you have called us, that we are a part of the story of reaching the world for Christ. God, we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world, and you are using us to make an impact around us. And so we thank you for that. Be with us now as we go in Jesus' name. Amen.